You know, so often in our worship, we, thank you, Chris, we, we, we have these praises of victory, and that, though, that's really true. God is faithful, and God leads us to victory. But so many of the Psalms are laments or moments where we praise the Lord in waiting for him. Because there are tough times in life. There, there are times we have to wait on the Lord. We have, to, um, we have to trust him. We have to trust his word because we can't see how it's going to come, how we're going to make it through. But we've learned to wait on the Lord. We've learned to trust the Lord. And a song like that, a psalm like that, is important to, to reflect on and sing. And, you know, I'm grateful for, for influence this week. You saw the video at the beginning of the service. And, and we, our children were learning about how to use their gifts to serve the Lord, that God equipped them, God gifted them. And, and so all week long, they were kind of wrestling through the, how God wants to use those gifts. And I, I think what a, what a powerful lesson. I'm so thankful for Amber Hudler and, and just the way that she led this week. And because and, when you think about children learning as young people to use their gifts to honor the Lord, man, that'll shape their lives. Think about the adventure that lays ahead of them. If they can get that as a young, as a child, that's uh, powerful, and I'm thankful. And, and, and you know, this, this morning, um, we're going to continue to kind of meditate on 1 Corinthians 13. If you have your Bibles, that's where we are today. And, and, and we've, we're, we're taking this really slow walk through 1 Corinthians 13. And, and, and you know, meditation is important. It's, it's an important discipline. Now, a lot of times when people think of meditation, they, they get in their mind some mystical thing of emptying your mind and chanting some chant, okay? Uh, but, but the Bible moves us to meditate on the Word of God. And, 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 and when we meditate, it's not emptying our mind, but it's filling our mind, filling our mind with the promises of God. And, and, and I have found great benefit in my walk with the Lord as I've learned to meditate, as I'm learning to meditate on the scriptures and fill my mind with the word of God. And in some ways, that's kind of what we're doing as we walk through 1 Corinthians 13. It's a very important passage. And, and we're, we're going to kind of get through verse 5 today. We've been in verse 5 for the last three weeks, I think. And, um, and all summer, we've been kind of turning our face to 1 Corinthians 13, processing what it looks like to love others, to love a culture, a world, a people in our world. This is very important for us. Um, you know, from the beginning of the year, if you have been with us, you, you've caught this. If you're new today, we, we have a gospel challenge every year as a, as a congregation, and we've been uh, challenged to, to, to live as missionaries right here, right now, to, to build this missionary mindset that, that, that God planted us in this place, in this city, uh, to be a missionary to, to people that need the Lord. And this is the call we have as a church, and you have this call individually. We have this call corporately to, to be missionaries where we live. And, 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 and you know, you don't have to uh, look too hard as you scan our culture to recognize that, that we are moving further and further away from biblical truth and biblical principles in a culture that we, where we live. Now, um, you know, this is not surprising in any culture. Isaiah 53, 
Isaiah, from the very beginning, uh, points to a long time ago, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53. I guess he wasn't at the beginning, but, uh, but Isaiah prophesied. He says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And you can look at every culture from the beginning of time, and that's been a tendency to go our own way, to, to rebel against God. And so it's not surprising that we live in a culture that is continuing to rebel against God. But But it doesn't change the fact that from the beginning of time, God has called a people, God has raised up people to engage the world and and, and to be witnesses in the world. And here we are in 2021 called to be witnesses to a world that needs the Lord. And and so for us, how do we do that? What do we, what what does that look like? And, and, And it's difficult because we are engaging a world that, um, that we don't agree with in many ways. And there, there's, uh, and God calls us, God commands us even to love others, to love people in spite of their rebellion. God loved us in spite of our rebellion. There's a beauty of that song we just sung, that in spite of our sins, God rescued us. God did not hold our sins against us. And that moves us to, to honor the Lord, not to sin more. That moves us to honor the, honor, honor the King, honor the Lord. And, and, and you know, we're, we're called to love people that, that we don't agree with. And, and this summer, we've been meditating on 1 Corinthians 13. And, and, and you know, it's interesting, loving somebody, we've got to understand this, doesn't mean we always agree, Right? That, that loving someone doesn't mean that we ignore the truth. And, and, and disagreement is not unloving, just like ignoring truth is not loving. I mean, we, we've got to learn to interact with a culture. And this is why I think 1 Corinthians 13 is so important. Now, I've said this before, I've often used this in weddings. And if you've gone to weddings that I've preached, or, or often preachers will get up and use 1 Corinthians 13 as a, hey, love is patient, love is kind, do this in your marriage. But, but when you think about 1 Corinthians 13, Paul was writing to a church. He wasn't writing to a married couple. It's not a bad application, but, but Paul was writing to a church saying, this is what it looks like to engage a world that you disagree with. And Corinth, oh my goodness, it's, it's eerily similar to the United States of America. Corinth was pluralistic, uh, meaning they had other, all kinds of other gods that they, that they saw and acknowledged. Corinth was immoral. There were all kinds of moral issues that were going on. I won't go into all the the moral struggles of Corinth. We will, in January, as we are maybe early into 2022, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians as a, as a whole. But, but, but you know, uh, it's very similar to where we are today. And, and, and you know what Paul was writing, and God, the Holy Spirit, is using this letter to help us understand our calling to love a world that we disagree with. And it, and it really shows us how how to do that. that, that as we engage this missionary mindset right now, let's look at how. Let's look at what this looks like in everyday life. Stand with me and let's read verses 1 through 5 of 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to actually finish verse 5 today as we meditate on this passage this summer. Verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, 
that have not love. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, thank you for standing. That's just a a practice we have as a way to acknowledge the word of God. Just give some respect to God's word. And, 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 you know, let's let's unpack verse 5. I want you to turn to verse 5 and look at that. Now, last week, we unpacked the idea of not being rude. That as a Christian, we don't, as, as followers of Christ, to engage a world, there, there's, some, there's a calling we have. We're called to love people, love this world, love people to Christ. We articulate it like that as our purpose statement. We're to love all people to Christ. And, and you know, we, we processed last week the first part of verse 5. It's not rude. Now let's go on and, and, and look, look at verse 5. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Let's think about this. One of the, when you study the Bible, it's helpful sometimes to look at other translations because it gives you some greater insight as you look at these and compare these translations. Let's do that. The, the Christian Standard Bible, I've got it up on the screen. Look at what verse 5 says. It's not rude. It goes on. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. It does not keep record of wrongs. That's what love looks like. Look at the King James Version. I mean, you ought to try this this week. At least speak King James to somebody this week. Just see, what they act, see how they react at work. But, but King James says this, Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. The modern English Version, look at what it says. Uh, similar, uh, does not behave itself improperly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. The New American Standard Version says this, it does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. Again, you see this phrase, it is not provoked. It does not keep an account of wrong suffered. When, when I was growing up, I, I leaned into the NIV. That was kind of my, my translation of choice. A lot of verses that I'd memorized, it's in the NIV. And this is what it says. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So this morning, as we look at verse 5 and, and wrestle with it and meditate on it, uh, uh, the, we're going to key in on that idea of love is not provoked. It's not easily angered. And, and I'll tell you uh, the context, that, that, that's the context of what uh, we're going to focus on today. If we're going to love a world that even we disagree with, or if we're going to engage people even when we disagree we've got to recognize love is not easily angered. We're not easily provoked if we're going to love people. Now, 
let's, let's understand this a little bit. We, we, we think about anger. Anger sometimes expresses itself in sometimes explosive ways. You may be an explosive anger. That may be an issue you have. Sometimes anger is expressed in maybe a passive-aggressive kind of uh, expression where you may not explode, but you're aggressive in a, in a passive way. Or, or sometimes uh, anger moves you to ignore somebody, or, or maybe you're going to complain or gripe, or, or maybe you withdraw and are bitter. You, you know, no matter how you express your anger, when anger gets out of control, that's, that's often the downfall, downfall of many of our relationships, isn't it? Whether it's at home or at work or at church. And, 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 and I'll tell you, it's interesting as you think about anger. Um, let's understand the context here. The Bible doesn't say you shouldn't get angry. We're going to get angry. Actually, uh, God gave us, God made us with this capacity to get angry. And, and, and we, we, we recognize that, that sometimes the right thing to do is to be angry. Sometimes the godly thing to do is to be angry. We, we know from Scripture there are times God gets angry. Jesus got angry while he was walking around the planet. He got angry. But, but the key is, uh, he didn't sin in his anger. I mean, Ephesians says, in your anger, do not sin. The Bible doesn't say don't be angry, but we need to be slow to anger. That's, that's the call here. We're not easily provoked. We are slow to anger. And, and what determines the sinfulness of anger is how you control your anger. So how are you doing with that? Let's allow the Lord today to, to help us lean in to our anger to how we deal with the anger in our lives. And anger's like fire, right? Fire is a great thing. It's a great benefit if, you, if it's controlled. But when it's out of control, what happens? It scars, it destroys, it's terrible. And learning to control our anger, I'll tell you, that, that is critical for us, especially as we engage a culture as missionaries. Because right here from, from Owasso and Tulsa, we are called to engage a world that needs Christ that needs to know the Lord, that needs the hope that we have. And, and so point number one, if you're taking notes here, let, let's, let's lean into, onto the Holy Spirit to control our anger. Do you know that, that we've got to lean into the Lord? We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And, and here's something that we're learning is that the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit corrects us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. It move, he moves us. And we're we understand that the moment that you were saved, the moment Christ came into your life, the Holy Spirit indwells you and leads you and guides you. And we're learning to listen to the Spirit of God. Listen to um, what He says. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit will lead you to control your anger. And you may say, Chris, I can't control my anger. Yes, you can. You, 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 you exemplify this all the time. How many of you have been in an argument with somebody and your phone rang? And what did you do? Hey, how's it going? Oh, good to see you. Okay, I don't want any hands today, but how many of you have been on your way to church and in your car, you're fighting in your car? And, and you're, it's a family feud, right? In the car. And if you, that happened today... I'm not that smart so uh, to figure that out. But, but that happens sometimes. And what happens when we get out of, church, out of the car, walking to church? Hey, brother, this is the day the Lord hath made. All right, amen. 
you know? Okay, and you're laughing. You're like, we totally done that, right? Totally done that. We've learned to control our anger. We know how to do this. We can do this. Now, it's interesting. Is what usually motivates us to control our anger is when we really think about the price tag, the price that we pay when anger gets out of control. I'm going to give you some proverbs today. I want you to write them down. Because some of these proverbs are, are worth meditating on. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Man, a man of quick temper acts foolishly. Proverbs 15, 18 says this, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 29, 22 says, A man of wrath stirs up strife, and the one given to anger causes much transgression. And we see over and over again in Scripture that whenever we lose control, we lose. You lose when you lose control. And, and you know, I, I think about the, the, the anger that I've seen that has cost families cost jobs. It's cost reputations. And, and God moves us as, as we look at how, as it, how do we interact with a lost world, we are slow to become angry. And this is why we meditate on the Word of God, because we've decided that, Lord, your Word is right, your Word is true, and we submit to your Word. We submit to what you have said. And that's why that song, Lord, I'll wait for you. I'll, I'll, uh, your word is life, it says. And so, look, we need to decide. We need to decide to submit to the Lord. So, uh, look, lean into the Holy Spirit. Allow him to help you control your anger. But there's a second practical thing as I think about being slow to anger being not easily provoked. You know, we're going to have to face tough issues. We're going to have to face difficult times. As I think about our church, as I think about the, the issues that are in front of us, we'll, in the next 10 years, for us as a church, we will have some difficult issues to face. So point two is important. Calm down before confronting frustrating issues. As believers, we need to calm down a little bit. In your family, in your marriage, you ought to calm down before facing tough issues. As a parent, you ought to calm down before facing tough issues. At work, calm down before facing tough issues. Haven't we learned already that, that sometimes delay is helpful, right? Uh, I, I can remember, Robin, my wife was in the first service because she teaches Sunday school at this hour. And, and uh, we were talking about this yesterday. And, and uh, when Eric, my son, was little, we, uh, we had a little conflict at our church. And I was mad at a staff member, and it was because of my son. And it was about midnight. And I'm at my computer, and I can type fast. And, and I was at my computer going, boom, I was typing out this email. My mom made me take typing in the ninth grade, and I didn't want to take typing in the ninth grade because I said, Mom, all there are girls in the typing class. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I'll take typing. All there are girls in the typing class. And, uh, and so I, I learned how to type. And, um, and so, man, Robin is standing over my shoulder, and I'm busting out this email, and she's going, ooh, 
ooh, ooh, oh, oh. And, and you know, have you ever been in that moment where you're about to push send on an email and someone should say, don't send that, right? I didn't do that that day. I, hit, I got to the send button and I go, bam, I hit that send button. And man, I let her have it. There's a lady on my staff. I let her have it. And I was mad. You know what I found? That on, my, on digital platforms, when I'm angry, and I go ahead and push that send button, you know what? I often end up looking like a fool, right? And it's wise to calm down. And, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm learning this. And, 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 and I'm, I've learned the hard way on many, many moments. Proverbs 29, 11. I had, I had to go to this lady and... I looked like a fool in front of her. I had to apologize, and thankfully we worked it out. But Proverbs 29, 11 says this, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Think about that. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man holds it back. Proverbs 19, 11, Good sense makes one slow to anger. And listen to this. Think about this. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Think about that. When, when we're offended, it's, it's, it's to your glory to overlook an offense. And I think back of, of that time that I, that I really felt wronged by that staff member. It would have been to my glory, to God's glory, to overlook an offense. And you know, uh, I'll tell you what, if we just calm down a little bit, think how that would change your marriage. Think how that would change your parenting. Think how that could change your work environment, your neighbors. And I think there's wisdom here that, that, that when, when we get angry, we've got to ask ourselves, why am I angry? Maybe there's some boundaries that have been crossed or um, maybe, maybe there is some legitimate frustrations, but, but, but you know, I think it's good to ask, why, why am I angry? Am I, am I hungry? Am I tired? You might ask, what do you really want? In this situation, do I, what do I really want here? Is, 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 this, real, is this reaction going to change someone's mind? I, I think about our call as, as, as a witness to a community. Is, is, our, is an angry response to a culture going to really change their mind or cause them to consider Christ? You know... Sometimes I think about how, how, can I, how can we make a difference without lashing out? Maybe there's another way. Proverbs 15.1, incredible principle of Proverbs 15.1 that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That would challenge us to, to really consider the word of God here as we meditate on 1 Corinthians 13 about, about showing love to people, to a world and in the next 10 years for us, I think it's very important for us to learn how to engage a world in a loving way. 
And, you know, point three, as I think about anger, as I think about processing what it means to love, we've got to learn to listen well before we speak. And, and we need to have a listening ear. We need to uh, listen. That sounds simple because, you know, it sounds redundant too because uh, to have a listening ear. If you're hearing somebody, aren't you listening? But not necessarily. You know that. You can hear somebody without listening. And, and, and this is the wisdom of James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 that says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I think about our call as believers, as followers of Christ, to be, to, to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak, slow to anger. And then this is the principle of 1 Corinthians 13, that, that we're not easily provoked, that, that we're slow to anger. And, and, and we, we've got to be a Philippians 2 kind of people where, where, where remember Philippians 2.4 that says, none of you should think of his own interests, but, but consider the interest of others. And, and think how that would change your relationships if you looked at your spouse and said, I, I'm, I'm concerned with her interests. You looked at your children, what are their interests? You, you go to work and said, I'm going to be concerned for the interest of others rather than just my own interests. God's word moves us listen before we speak. And so what does this look like? First Corinthians 13 is so powerful because it helps us look, see what it looks like to love people, that, that to love a world, to, to, to love somebody that disagrees with us. And so what I'm praying we learn to do is we learn to attack issues without attacking people. Look, they're big issues, folks. In the next 10 years, there are going to be issues that we cannot avoid. And, and, and the truth is, uh, sometimes we get angry over things that are nothing. And if that's the case, we need to let them go. But, 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 but avoiding big issues, look, that's not loving. We're going to have to learn in the next 10 years, especially as we engage the world that we are in, to be able to deal with issues without attacking people. And, and look, in your marriage, in your family, if there are real problems, you cannot run from it. You must deal with real problems. It's like termites. Have you ever had termites in your house? Several years ago, years ago we... When our kids were little, Robin's holding Maggie, and we had a swarm of termites in our house. He thought Egypt, Exodus had just happened. The locusts had come in, and we didn't know what that was. And we were like, termites, we got to deal with that because that will tear the house down. Let me tell you something. If we don't deal with tough issues, it'll tear your house down. If we don't, if we don't deal with the tough issues in our culture, we'll be irresponsible. But look, we have got to learn to tackle issues, not people. And this is hard. And, and I think about Ephesians 4.15. Write that verse down. Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That, that for us to be, be followers of Christ, for us to be a church that says we will speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So, so we've got to learn to, to speak in a way that, that, that it fits the occasion. And when dealing with a problem, look, you, we've, got to, we've got to be loving. We've got to attack the issues. Not, not people. And to remember that Romans 12, 8, so as far as it, as, it, as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Let's be a church that in the next 10 years that we learn to attack the issues, not people. I think of another thing. As I think about how do we learn to, to be slow to be provoked? Lord, Lord, help us be slow to anger. We're not easily provoked. You know, the second thing you can do, and I want to challenge us to do this, is, is that we, we build relationships with people who know how to control their temper. And this is the value of a church, that, that we're going to build relationships with one another, who, that, that we're going to rub off on each other, we're going to strengthen one another, we're going to help one another. It's like that, that Proverbs twenty two twenty four says this, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, because we know that anger is contagious. And if we are around, surrounding ourselves with people that just let anger get out of control, and we don't have those other voices, boy, we'll will struggle. It's like what we've taught our kids as they've grown up. Look, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And we, we challenge our children to be careful of the influences in their life. But here's the reality. That doesn't change when we enter adulthood. We still need to surround ourselves. I want to challenge you to look for people in your life that, that they're good at controlling their temper. As Proverbs 27 20, 27, 17. This is what I pray for our church. That this, I pray we're a Proverbs 27, 17 church. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, that we should sharpen one another and, and help one another control our temper. Not be easily provoked. We ought to, especially in the next 10 years, we've got to be pushing one another to be slow to anger. To not be easily provoked. And, and, and you know, as, as we process this, as we work on this, as we grow in this, as, as the Lord convicts us in this, because I'm, I'm with you here and God's, God convicts me in this, as I, as I engage a culture that sometimes I find offensive, as I rub shoulders with people even in our own community that, that are sometimes offensive to me, I've got to be slow to anger not easily provoked. And I'm finding in my life that, that as I grow up spiritually, as I, as I engage spiritual disciplines, that, that, I, that I do a better job in this. And so can I challenge you, not only do we attack issues, not people, not only do we build relationships with one another to help one another, but do but you know what else we need to do? We need to build spiritual disciplines in our lives. And I want to challenge you to build spiritual disciplines into your life. Learn to pray. Go to the Lord every day. Go to what the Bible says. Let's, let's engage the, the text. Engage what the Scripture says. Engage the Lord. 
Look, we're, we're, and let me be clear on the spiritual disciplines. I'm not talking about religious checklists. I'm not talking about some, I check the box off on my quiet time. I'm talking about engaging the Lord. When you go to the Word, you're like, hey, Lord, what are you saying to me? Lead me today. When you're praying, you're looking to the Lord as, as the one you're, to, you're interacting with the Lord. And this is the call we have. You know, John 17.3, one of my favorite verses that says, now, now this is eternal life, Jesus said, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent, that, that you know that you have eternal life when you come to know God. And we are called to this personal relationship with God that we interact with the Lord. And so when we spend time in prayer, we're actually not just talking, we're interacting. When we're in the Word, we're not just reading, we're interacting with the Lord. And see, here's what happens. As we grow up spiritually, God strengthens us. As we memorize the Word, God strengthens us. God empowers us. The Spirit of God moves us. And so we're slower to be angry. We're not easily provoked. And this is why I think it's powerful to meditate on this passage. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's look at this. Look at verse 4. We've been walking through this, meditating on this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Look at this. It does not insist on its own way. If we're going to love this world, love people in our lives, we will not just be a people that say, it's got to be my way. It's got to be my way. No. We learn to compromise. It's not irritable. It's, It's not something that just is, you're you're constantly irritable. No, you're gracious. Um, It's not easily angered. You're not going to be, you're going to be slow to anger. It's not resentful. See, this is what the Holy Spirit does in us. And, And you know where this begins? It begins in that relationship with God. It begins in that moment where you say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I, I, I turn to you. Lord, I, I, I come to you. And, and we, we, we recognize that, that Isaiah 53 problem that we have, that, that we all, like sheep, we've gone astray. And, and each one of us has made the mistake of turning to his own way. But you know the beauty of of the message, the beauty of Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 53. He says, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And see, it was in the death of Christ that we see this powerful forgiveness. I mean, think about what Jesus did. He was slow to anger. And all through Scripture, we're moved to look to Jesus and act like him. And think about Jesus on the cross as, as, as he was headed to the cross and those, those Roman guards as they were bad dudes and they were big and they were strong and, and they, they looked at Jesus and said, we're going to put you on the cross and they got a crown of thorns and they pounded it on his head. Do you realize that Jesus was slow to anger? 
That was God in the flesh. That was God with skin on. And, and he's, on the, he's getting a crown of thorns. mocked on. They mocked him and they spit on him. You know that Jesus could have called 10,000 angels? Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine putting on spiritual glasses and looking into heaven and, and looking at the angels going, Oh, call us, Jesus. Call me. I can imagine the angels arguing. Hey, that dude that just hit the crown of thorns on his head, I want him. I, I can see that. I want that guy. And I can imagine, you know, like, and, and, and you realize angels aren't precious moments, right? That's not right. Those are cute and everything. But, but when an angel shows up every time in Scripture, what do they say? Yeah, don't be afraid. Hey, relax. Hey, come on, just calm down. So I can tell you, I guarantee you, that if Jesus would have called those 10,000 angels, those bad dude Romans would have not been so bad. But Jesus was slow to anger. He was not easily provoked. And he was treated unjustly but he went to the cross for us. And you know what? He changed us. And his forgiveness and his love for these offensive people like you and me. He went to the cross for us. And see, that, that's why, oh, I pray that if you don't know Jesus today, that you see who he is and you see what he did, that Jesus did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. And God moves us to be loving because he was loving to us. And so when I look at the next 10 years, I don't look at that with fear and dread I look at that as, this is our calling. This is our responsibility to engage a world and love a world that needs Jesus just like we needed Jesus. Just like we need Jesus. And so let's tackle the issues without attacking people. Let's, let's help one another. Let's let's help one another be slow to anger. Let's build spiritual disciplines in our lives. Let's grow up. Let's grow up spiritually so we can be faithful missionaries right here, right now. Uh, If you need Jesus today, come to him. You know, if you need to control your anger, if you need to bring your mistakes today to the Lord, bring them. And here's here's what we, like a day like today, well, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to ask Brandon to come on. And this is kind of one of those days that as a preacher, you're like, yeah, no, ain't nobody coming to pray today in this invitation. I don't think that. Because this is because there's a temptation to think, man, if I go down and pray, someone's going to think, man, that guy's a, he's probably a jerk. 
He's probably really struggling with his anger. But you know, that's true for all of us. This message is for all of us because all of us struggle with this. And see, we're learning to lean into conviction, to let the Lord grow us. And I pray whether you bow at your seed as this invitation starts and says, Lord, and you, maybe you just get on your knees at your seat and say, God, help me be slow to anger. Maybe you need to go to ask forgiveness to somebody that you've been quick to anger in your life. Look, let, let's move when God moves us. Let's not worry about what people think or what the perception is. Golly, we don't have time for that. Life's too short to not walk with the Lord. And these days are too critical for us not to walk with the Lord. And I'll tell you, if you don't know Jesus today, oh, today is the day of salvation. And if you come to Jesus, he won't turn you away. Come to Jesus. But let's have this moment that the king of all kings is speaking and leading and inviting us. Because your response today is not to a preacher. It's to the Savior. Let's respond to him right now. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, we don't want to just go through the motions of religion. Father, we, we want to interact with you. You're our king and you're our Lord. You're our savior and you're at work in this place. You use your word and the preaching of your word. And Father, we lean into you right now. And so, Father, without hesitation, we surrender to you. Lord, there are some husbands today that are quick to anger. And would your Holy Spirit come and empower them and draw them to repentance? There's some wives today that are quick to anger. Would you draw us to repentance? There, there's some, some kids today that are quick to anger. Father, would you move us to repent? Father, I, there's people today that don't know you as Savior. Would you draw their heart today? We give you this time, Lord Jesus, and ask that you would move us. And it's in your name. Amen. Our altars are open and we invite you to come.